Hi, good evening, everyone, and um, welcome to M Pavilion. My name is Jen Zelinsk, and I'm the producer of M Pavilion. Um, if I can just ask you all just to move forward slightly, then we can, I feel like it's slightly sparse. If you just want to come forward and also grab blankets, because it will get kind of chillier the longer you sit here. Um, I'd firstly also like to acknowledge the Boonwurrung people, who are the traditional owners of this land, um, and pay my respects to their elders, both past and present. Tonight we have Craig Jeffrey with us, who's the director of the Australian India Institute and professor of development geography at the University of Oxford. He'll be leading tonight's conversation on the concept of Jagar. <laughs> to organize this event from the um you think i do need it Lachlan? okay just in case um for for, for organizing uh today's presentation uh, as as jennifer said i'm the director of the australia india institute which is an institute uh, based mainly here in melbourne funded by the commonwealth government and the victoria government and various universities across australia to promote good links between Australia and India, particularly through research and teaching and various types of engagement, engagement with government, with business, uh, and with various public bodies and organisations. Uh, and as part of that work, we've been partnering with the Naomi Milgram Foundation to organise a few events in relation to the M Pavilion. We have another event, hopefully coming up, a film showing, which is related to what I'm talking about today. Uh, I'm going to be running with colleagues an event on the topic of nothing in early February towards the end of the M Pavilion programme. So if any of you are interested in talking about nothing, then um, come to that event too. But tonight, I'm going to be talking about a particular Indian idea, uh, which hopefully will resonate with some of your interests and experiences. And that's the idea of Jugad, J-U-G-A-A-D, a Hindi word, uh, which I will explain in, in, in a moment. And really what I'm going to say, and I'm only going to talk for about 20 minutes, because since we've got a small group, it'd be nice to have a conversation, uh, is I'm just going to try and riff on this idea of Jugar and talk about it in, re in relation to research that my wife, Dr. Jane Dyson, and I have done as anthropologists in a small village in a remote part of North India. And just something on my presentation style, I really like being interrupted. I love hecklers. So if at any time there's anything that you think isn't clear, or you have any objections to, to my argument, just shout out and I can stop and we can talk. So in April 2012, I was sitting in the village of Bemni in North India, minding my own business, when a couple of guys uh, came into the courtyard and they'd found two metal trunks in a loft in one of the adjoining houses. Uh, they were workmen and they'd been commissioned to produce a door for a little bathroom cubicle that our neighbors were constructing on the edge of their house. And these two guys uh, proceeded to bash out these uh, metal trunks into flat panels and then tack them together to make improvised doors. Then they put the doors on the bathroom cubicle and they looked across at me and they said in Hindi, which means, how do you like our improvised solution? Does it seem okay? They said. 
and everyone collapsed into laughter. So what I want to do um, over the next 20 minutes is actually really try and delve into this Indian notion of Jugar. I wanted to discuss it in relation to the economic and political lives of some of the young people we work with in North India. So Jugar is a Hindi word which basically means improvising shrewdly with available resources. The classic image of Jugar is a wooden cart that's been fitted with a modern engine. But it also means fixing a fan belt with a pair of tights. It means recycling an old computer with odds and ends that you've got available. Uh, and there's other examples of Jugar here. And if you put Jugar into Google Images, you'll find uh, an amazing range of forms of Jugar. My favorite here is the clock. But if you do your own research online, you'll come up with your own favorites. So it's innovative forms of do-it-yourself problem-solving, usually in situations of constraint. Now, because I'm a, a, an academic, I like to try to you know, really worry away at these words and try and work out their individual components. So there's three things, three C words that I think are integral to Jugar. The first word is compromise. Jugar involves the pragmatic adaptation to difficult circumstances. So maybe like lowering your sights or thinking, Okay, I can't do it the way I thought I would, but, you know, pragmatically I can, I can adjust, I can do Jugar. Second, there's coordination. Jugar usually means combining elements that are from different, of different provenance. So quite often combining something that's traditional with something that's modern. That's why the ox cart that's been fitted with a modern engine is one of these classic images of Jugar. It's two very unlike things that you put together. You know, your watch breaks. You fix the, the, the metal mechanism with a little stick that you found lying around. Classic Jugar. It actually comes from a Sanskrit word, yogya, which means twinning. So unlike some other kind of words like this, so do-it-yourself improvisation, Jugar has this sense of the juxtaposition of unlike elements. And third, Jugar implies craftiness. The willingness to kind of think outside the box, to use that management cliche, to, to find a way around. To depart from the straight and narrow to find a solution. Also, I think, and not a C word, Jugar has this really interesting relationship to time because it's not about doing things slowly, it's about doing things in the moment. You know, you just you find a solution just with whatever happens to be present at that moment. So North Indian students have a joke, and it's about someone who's in the news at the moment. And in, incidentally, if you've been watching, Trump has now secured the uh, presidency of the US. It's a joke actually about Bill Clinton when he travelled to India. So Bill was in his hotel room and he saw a tangle of wires outside his hotel room. So he asked the maid, look, there's this huge tangle of wires and yet electricity seems to be flowing in a smooth, uninterrupted fashion into my hotel room. What's going on? And the maid said, Jugar. So then Bill was on a road, uh, on a road trip with a taxi driver who was negotiating bullocks and rickshaws and cars. And he said, look, how are you managing to drive so successfully and fast on this road when there's so many different vehicles? How are you doing it? And the, and the taxi driver looked around and said, it's Jugar. Then he saw a clerk sitting outside the government office, a modest looking clerk, and the clerk had a BMW parked at the back of the office. And he said to the clerk, well look, you're just an, a, a small clerk, how come you've got this BMW? And you know, the punchline. So then, uh, and, and the, joke, the joke usually carries on to, you know, 
Bill Clinton's at the airport and the Prime Minister says to him, what do you want to trade with India? And, and, and Bill says, well, we actually need some of your jugar. And, and, and I will talk about the connections between jugar and humour. What I want to analyse, though, is how jugar is talked about, thought about, practised by uh, young people, and particularly with, about unemployed young people in um, Uttarakhand in North India. And my argument in a nutshell is simply this. The generation of youth in North India, aged between 18 and 30, face huge problems acquiring education, <coughs> work, and various government resources. In the face of these constraints, they've improvised. They also talk about Jugar a great deal. Sometimes it's even a source of pride, as in the Clinton joke. So young people across the world are finding it difficult to move into formal employment. So the youth we're talking about in North India, I think, are indicative of a wider global trend. But young people in large parts of the world have found creative solutions to problems of unemployment and underemployment. In the Global South, in Latin America, Africa, and Asia in particular, but also in many other settings, young people often support themselves and their families through creatively combining different forms of earning, developing new businesses, migrating for work, or shifting their expectations and pragmatically accepting lower quality jobs. Youth are often able to inventively rework their identities and skills to achieve livelihoods. And this is reflected in the rise of a whole series of Jugar-like terms in different parts of the world. I think of terms like dragging in Sierra Leone, Dubaguiem in Senegal, zigzagging in Zimbabwe, discarded in the Philippines, jerry-rigging in the US, System D uh, in France, gambiada, not on gambiada in the Olympics in Brazil, and bodging or bush mechanics in Australia. Emerging work on young people's political lives puts similar emphasis on improvisation. Scholars have recently emphasised the shift in the nature of youth political action. Traditional types of political organisation, like through unions or political parties, are on the wane. People are finding more inventive, more improvised ways to engage in politics, particularly through uh, the use of new cultural practices, social media and everyday spaces. And I think of things like the Arab Spring and Occupy. So I want to think now uh, in a little bit more depth about the ways in which young people engage with Jugar, both in the economic sphere and in this political sphere, and in the context of these initial comments about global trends. But I want to do it in relation to a very specific part of the world. Uh, and that is Uttarakhand, shown here um, in pale blue in the north of India. Uh, has anyone been to Uttarakhand before who's listening? Or? Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know both of you have. Um, <laughs> And I want to talk particularly about um, this village, the village of Bemni, where Jane and I have been working since 2003. Uh, Bemni is located at about 2,500 metres uh, in, in Chamoli district in Uttarakhand. It's uh, a quite remote area. Uh, when Jane first did her, her uh, research in this village in 2003 and 2004, she lived in the village for 18 months. Uh, at that time, the village had no um, electricity, there was no road to the village, you had a trek to get to it, uh, there, were, there was uh, no mobile phones, actually no phones at all in the village at that point. Now over the past uh, 13 years the village has been transformed, particularly in the period between about 2008 and 2012. A road that you can see here carved into the mountainside was constructed to the village, 
not a particularly good road, but it provides a link to the local town. Electricity came to the village, they built a telecommunications tower, they extended the local school to secondary school. It became, in the words of people locally, developed in certain key ways. It remains a, a poor area, however, uh, and an area that remains marginal in terms of the, the story of India's current economic boom and the rise of the middle classes. Now, Jane and I have worked um, mainly in the UK with British government uh, funding on, on a project on how young people in this village were adjusting to a situation of unemployment and underemployment. And um, we this was part of a wider project that we were doing with um, anthropologists also working in Sri Lanka and Nepal. So we were doing the, the India element of the project. What we found was that most educated, uh, unemployed young men and young women had um, tried for a long time to get secure salaried work. They were often aiming for government work, but been unsuccessful. And in that context, they were engaging in a wide variety of forms of what they themselves called jugar. Let me just tell the story of one uh, young person as a way of, of illustrating this point. Uh, let me tell you the story of Prempal Singh. Prempal was in his late 20s in 2012. He had a 10th class pass from a local uh, village school. After leaving school, he realised he was unlikely to get a government job. In March 2012, uh, 79 government jobs were advertised in Uttarakhand. There were 82,000 applicants for those 79 jobs. So you can understand how the odds are stacked against people like Prempal, who said that actually the people who were successful in getting those jobs were people who had the money for bribes or who had high-level social contacts. At roughly the same time, though, electricity arrived in the village. Prempal had no prior knowledge of electricity, but he, vol he volunteered to fix cables in the village while also tending his small family farm. He then borrowed money from an uncle and started to hire himself as a DJ at local weddings, reflecting the sort of changes in the ways that weddings are being celebrated locally. Two microphones strapped to a mule, he, he hauled his equipment up and down the mountain for village functions, tacking back and forth on the steep rocky paths. Prempal works as an electrician alongside many other activities. He occasionally provides tutorials to a nephew. He works a very small plot of family land. He sometimes receives wages as a labourer on a government employment scheme. And he climbs 16,000 feet every April or May to collect caterpillar fungus called Kira Jali, which are sold to local traders and then sold on to, to China, where they're used as an aphrodisiac. And I do have another talk about caterpillar fungus for anyone who's got a bit of time on their hands. Uh, <laughs> let me show you a picture. Uh, this is a group of us going up to, to have a, a hunt for these caterpillar fungus. This is up at about 16,000 feet. Uh, in uh, very, very high up indeed. And Prempal also occasionally works at, Hil Him at Himalayan pilgrimage sites as a porter. Prempal said that establishing himself as an electrician involved cunning. He developed a knowledge of how to bribe the local officials to ensure that there's a continuous flow of electricity during the peak marriage season. So you hire Prempal to come and for you, to be your DJ, but he'll also help guarantee that the electricity is actually flowing to power the speakers at the event. So Prempal's story, I think, uh, shows in miniature lots of things that, we, uh, that came out of our research much more generally. It shows people's capacity to respond flexibly to a situation of constraint. In numerous instances, young people had reacted to failure to, to get salaried jobs by fund, finding other niches 
within the rural economy. Like Prempal, they tended to solve problems of a lack of income through ingenious new combinations of work, often performing a whole series of forms of paid and household work simultaneously. They'd often combined modern work like tutoring with more traditional uh, resource collection activities. Now, young people disagreed on the extent to which this could be called jugar. Some said it was adjust, a word that is also uh, richly suggestive in North India and, and uh, woven into lots of Hollywood uh, to Bollywood movies. They criticised the word jugar for its association with shoddiness, with cunning and with the poor. But many young men and young women did talk about their activity as jugar. Their, e their economic lives were improvised, they were experimental, because jugar is about trial and error, and involved all sorts of ingenious juxtapositions. Prem Pal's case shows that young people had to engage occasionally in illegal or corrupt activities to survive. For some young people, this aspect of jugar had become quite dominant. Let me tell you about Prem Pal's neighbour, Karaminda. He dropped out of school after 12th class and he set up a shop in a local town, but it was actually a front for a local po poaching operation. Then he started to ingratiate himself with his, with his uncle, who was a very successful contractor in the local area. Now, contractorships has become a major way in this environment of making a fast buck, because the government's investing a lot of money in central and state government construction schemes, and a whole a plethora of local kind of brokers or fixers or contractors have emerged who embezzle money meant for the construction of bridges or roads, uh, line their own pockets and then uh, employ labourers cheaply or use cheap materials to actually uh, do the construction. Now, Karaminda had seen an earning opportunity here. He worked with his uncle to establish himself as one of these local contractors. Karaminda spent a couple of years as a lackey for his uncle and for politicians, and he was duly rewarded after these two years with the opportunity to make money from a bridge-building project. It's competitive, dangerous and difficult work, he said, entailing regular trips to Nepal to hire workers, numerous visits to politicians to, to flatter them and to keep them sweet, and a constant vigilance with respect to competitors. Like several other contractors in the region, Karminda used the word jugar to describe what he was doing. But he used it as a way to euphemise and obscure what other people would regard as corruption or cheating. Karminda argued that jugar had become so central to his thinking, to how he worked, to his relationships with other people, that you might as well call him jugadu, the one who does jugar. In the social and political sphere too, many young people spoke of Jugar. Bodesh was in his early 20s in 2012 and survived through hiring out two mules for transport in the village. He identified himself as a social and political activist. He helped people with medical emergencies in the local town. He campaigned to get the local school improved. He organized labor to repair paths after storm damage. Bodesh said that he had a complicated relationship to Jugar. He said on the one hand he has sometimes to do jugar in the sense of craftiness to accomplish tasks that were in the interest of the community as a whole. He said sometimes you have to flatter someone bad, sometimes you have to give a bribe, sometimes you have to do, use, use a political connection. There's always compromise, there's always jugar. But Buresh said that his overall goal as an activist is to fight against jugar. He tries to remain polite, 
to avoid bribery and to follow the citizenship ideals he learnt in school. So he's, he does Jugard, but he's anti-Jugard at the same time. And Budesh is similar to many other young men and young women whom we met in the village who've responded to educated underemployment by becoming involved in broadly altruistic social and political activity. These youth emphasise their, the, their importance as community actors and they want to see a world beyond Jugar. The theme of anti-Jugar was especially strong among young women. Of the seven young women activists whom we interviewed, only one referred to occasionally having to compromise and engage in corruption in order to assist the village. The remainder said that they remained steadfastly anti-Jugar. Hema was typical in this, this respect. She had a BA degree and worked part-time in a government nursery. She also spent a great deal of time helping children to navigate the early years of schooling and assisting uh, low castes in the village with key healthcare decisions. She also helped ensure that old people in the village who faced medical emergencies got rapid access to care. Perhaps because Hema was from one of the wealthiest and best connected families in the village, she said she'd never had to do Jugar. She emphasised her identity instead as a role model. She said that the pace of social change in the village is so fast that children's parents are ill-equipped to advise them about key decisions in terms of education, health and relationships. And it therefore fell on young women in their late teens and twenties to be this key sort of helping generation for, for children in the context of very rapid social change. So to conclude, and we'll have lots of time for questions, and I hope to hear um, people's own experiences of Jugar and, and stories of Jugar. What do these stories tell us? Well, I think they tell us a series of things. Jugar, I want to emphasize, is not some type of, sort of feature of something called Indian culture. It's a resp specific response of young people to a poor economic environment, and at the same time, a sense of possibility associated with education, with the rise of new communication technologies, with the rise of citizenship ideals in this part of India. Young people have been adept at compromise, at coordination, and at craftiness. And they've been adept at those things in both economic and in political spheres. Shrewd improvisation, in a Jugar sense, is a central aspect of youth experience in the region. What I also want to emphasize is that young people are constantly talking about Jugar. My experience of doing research is not so one of doing research on people, but being part of a type of interpretive community where the ideas that you're doing research on are already being discussed a lot by people on the ground. They sometimes said that their activity is Jugar. They sometimes said uh, this for very strategic reasons. Think of Karminda, it's a way to euphemize what you're doing. But they also critiqued Jugar as a shoddy way of conducting oneself, especially in the political sphere. Young people have to mix and match a Jugar approach. Sometimes you have to bribe with a long-term commitment to rooting out Jugar. And this mixing and matching could itself be called a type of Jugar. I'm currently planning a new project that would develop these ideas in three ways. So it'd be great to get your feedback, particularly on these um, three things. I want to think about the objects, the flows, the landscapes, the forms of design that one might associate with Jugar. Is Jugar the right term for improvisation? I talked about it with the architect of the M Pavilion, Bijoy Jain, who said he thought not. Jugar wasn't what he was about. It was more a kind of openness, a radical openness that he said was important rather than uh, what's implied by Jugar. I want to think about Jugar and morality, secondly. When is it right to do, to, to do Jugar and when is it wrong? 
Why is this idea of improvisation that, as I've said, is, is live and discussed in lots of different cultures? You know, the Heath Robinson, the sort of, you know, fixing uh, the Baylor Twine approach to, to farming. You know, why is it sometimes att attract such kind of moral resonances? Finally, there's nothing particularly Indian about the idea of life hacks as it was advertised on Twitter this morning in relation to this tour. What do you then think about um, how improvisation relates to, to Australia, for those of you who are based here? In what way is it reflected in particular kind of regional traditions of, of making do? How does Jugar resonate with you? So I'll leave it there and um, look forward to, to hearing um, questions or ideas. Thanks. How long have we got, Jennifer, for questions? What are we... How long is Until the film people come. Okay, great. Well, I'll, be, you know, I'll, I'll get carried away. So someone wave at me. Cog, if you could wave at me at about uh, whenever you think we're, we're coming up to an hour, because I know people probably... I think it's advertisers going on to 7.15, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you start, yeah. yeah. If you could say your name as well, that would be oh, great. And Mini, Mini and yeah. yeah. And so, I've, um, so I was born in India, but have, didn't return back for 33 years. Right. But my nephew came over from India, mm. and I saw Chuka at, you know, um, first hand, very yeah. quickly with him. Um, and the first thing that struck me was occupational health and safety. Mm. <laughs> because mm. some of the things he was doing, you know, he was thinking, no, you can't do that in this. Mm. Um, and, yeah, they have some great compromises where um, we found the exact family stick that opens one of the windows of my unit, yeah. which has difficulty. But um, uh, it does translate from um, simple things like that, Mm. to this thinking mm. which I think um, can undermine higher things such as job prospects etc. Yeah. So yeah. he carried that thinking so he's doing a master's in, um, at RMIT mm. in um, uh, logistics mm. and there's that sort of I'll lie a little here and lie a little yeah. here yeah. and you know when you're dealing with yeah yeah it's very difficult to say because of our It's really, it's really interesting in terms of advertisements that are live in India because there's, there's one that I think you sent me, Cog, for, about anti-Jugar, or did, was it Trent is not here? Um, we a young woman married, it's just, just, just arrives home with her new husband and, and his whole house is just Jugar and she's just appalled and it's this it's just, it's just, don't do Jugar anymore. And then there's that classic, the, whatever, the Peugeot 306 advertisement. Do you remember with that great kind of Bangra soundtrack where... Yeah, a guy converts an ambassador car into a car that looks like a Peugeot 306 by getting an elephant to sit on it. Just Google Peugeot 306. It's a great little sort of 45 second um, advertisement on the sort of positive aspects of Jugar. The one thing I would say, which wasn't in the talk and kind of like in defense of um, 
of the young man you're talking about is I think that um, Jugar does have this special relationship to ideas of thrift and, and, and recycling and the environment. And I think, you know, the, the idea of not throwing things away and of reusing them is kind of where Jugar can, can have a really sort of positive resonance. And, Yeah, yeah. And also think about that environment thing in relation to the whole kind of localism kind of idea, you know, which, which does relate to Bijoy James' practice as an architect. And his, his, for any of you who weren't at his sort of lecture on, on the M Pavilion, he just gave this amazing lecture with lots of examples of how he, how he practices. And one of them was about a construction he made where um, it, it, was, it was all constructed out of materials that were, that were within kind of, you know, a stone stove where he was working. And I think that kind of idea of, you know, you use the materials at hand to, con to construct what you're doing is, is also kind of an aspect of Jugar, you know. And, and so, you know, another kind of story that could be told about the youth of today is actually the opposite one from what you're talking about. It's like, oh, it's that throwaway culture. You know, the phone breaks, you buy a new one. Or the phone doesn't even break, but you've got to buy a new one because everyone else has got a new one, you know, and it's got a new number. And, and you know, that's, that's inimical to a lot of the, the, the people I work with who will say, no, they're still using 486 computers, but why not? Because they're perfectly good word processors. So, you know, I think that's, that's something we need to factor in. Um, we're from Brazil, so we have a lot of Gambiarra there. Oh, you're from Brazil? Yeah. yeah. So I did, probably didn't pronounce it. How do you pronounce it properly? Gambiarra. Gambiarra. Yeah. yeah. And there's a whole, there's a whole like, um, like uh, academic discipline based around the study of it, isn't there? Gambiaraology or something, whatever the yeah. Uh, anyways, it's not only for young people. Actually, do you want the microphone? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll repeat your question. I'll repeat your question for people who can't hear. Yeah. So it's not only for young people, and actually, my grandfather does a lot more yoga than I do. Yeah. Actually. So yeah. we don't see it like a good thing because mm. we have like a, a bad background. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But but talking about design and construction, mm. I think that favelas may be a
if people are poor, they're more likely to come up with these innovative solutions. So, you know, better if they're poor. You know, it's like that Baron Munchausen, you can pull yourself up by your own boot bootstraps. So it's sort of also ideologically a little bit problematic, I think, Juga. And lots of young people I, I work with in North India say that. They say, look, you know, yeah, I've constructed this elaborate rainwater harvesting system on the top of my hostel roof. Yeah, you know, I can see that you think it's impressive and I also think it's impressive. But, you know, I would have much preferred it if the government had just let us you know, import some really good, you know, yeah. modern uh, water, rain, rainwater harvesting, then I wouldn't have had to spend all my evenings sort of setting it all up. So, you know, it's this, it's, I think that's an, another sort of interesting political dimension to this. Ivan, you had a, a question. Yeah. 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 I, th I think I think this kind of the idea of being above Jugar is probably quite important in terms of advertising yourself as a good marriage prospect. So Hema, who I talked about at the end, he said, you know, I've never had to do Jugar. You know, I'm I'm above all that. That's also a kind of a kind of identity that you can kind of sell in your in your you know in an arranged marriage system where quite often parents are negotiating over you know who should marry who, like. I, I mean, I, and I've actually sat in on some of those negotiations. If, if, if one parent said, you know, if one per parent said, well, you know, your son seems a bit jugar, that would definitely be, yeah, that would be a minus point. Yeah, it's like, no, there's nothing jugar about him. Everything's kind of, you know, the, 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 one, of the, one of the, there's lots of antonyms, like, you know, antonyms to jugar. One of them is sida, you know, straight. He's sida. Both sida hai. You know, like that would be the, that would be the kind of, thing I think sort of someone who's sort of straight and true or teak like fine you know responsible no there's nothing um, kind of cunning young men, there is a sort of pride amongst them where you know they do call each other's to yeah like there's a place in western yeah, yeah definitely and there's and even like within India there's particular areas that are known for Jugar so there's a place called Musafanaga in uh, western Uttar Pradesh that has a reputation for a kind of in, in, ingenious crime. So there's a story like about a guy from Musafanaga goes to Mumbai and um, he gets to know the Mumbai Mafia. as other young people. And the Mumbai Mafia, they quite like him. They think he's sort of quite cute. And he comes from this North Indian city and you know, he's come down to Mumbai and he's trying to make his way in Mumbai. No social contacts, no resources. Just happened to have made friends with some of the Mafias. The Mafia say, look, don't worry, that will help set you up and you can start, you know, your work here. He said, look, no offence, I don't want any of your help. I'll do it myself. They say, how? He says, watch. And he's at a, he's at a busy traffic intersection. He walks up to, a, to, the, to, the, to the cars. As he's walking up, he just sees a little stick on the ground. So he picks up the stick and he whips out his handkerchief out of his back pocket. He puts the handkerchief over his stick and he goes up to a car and says, give me your money. <laughs> And they give him his money. He said, now I've started. <laughs> and, 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 and the story is that he didn't know what he was going to do when he was walking up to the cars. He didn't know. He just knew he'd, something would happen. He'd find something. Kuch jugar ho jayega. So, so this, yeah, some, some jugar will come to me. So it's this sort of idea of uh, you know, people who kind of internalize this idea of jugar so much. So they kind of have this faith that, that they'll be able to find some ingenious solution to any kind of problem. Another story like that. <laughs> so this, 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 this I actually witnessed. 
um, I, was, I was traveling on a motorbike in, in Meerut with some prominent student politicians and, and they stopped the motorbike and one of these student politicians and student politicians in this area have, have quite a lot of sort of power because they can come, they, you know, they have a, they can raise uh, a rabble and they can, you know, they, they have a bit of political influence. And this student politician went over to a building site that was a building site for a new department that was being built on the edge of Meerut University. And he saw the contractor of this, um, and this, they hadn't, they hadn't planned to stop, but this, this student politician said, stop the motorcycle, I want to go and talk to him. So they saw this, he saw the building contractor of this, uh, who was building this department. And, um, he st and, the, and the, the student politician started like sifting through the, through the um, cement that this guy was using. And he said, um, yeah, this isn't, you haven't made this cement in the right way. You know, you've, this, is, this is fake cement. Like you haven't put the right quantities of sand and stuff in this cement. It's just, this is just not, not right. And, um, and the guy said, no, no, it's perfect. Everything, I'm building this absolutely fine. There's no, and he said, no, no, there's something going on here. There's something really suspicious. I'm going to report this. And he starts walking away and his henchmen sort of linger behind a bit. And as, as did I. And this guy goes, sort of goes back off to his motorcycle. And then the contractor looks at the henchman and says, well, what, what, what does he want? Does he want money? He said, no, no, he doesn't want money. He's just got the interest of students at heart. You know, you, he thinks you're cheating students. And they carry on talking for a while. And I sort of started wandering back. And then I saw this guy giving money and more and more money to these henchmen who took it and went back. They put it in the pocket of the, of the student leader and they drove off. The whole thing was just you know, manufactured out of thin air. But he just made 15,000 rupees from stopping on the side of the road and making some false accusation about the quality of building materials. And he said later, no, it was just you guys saw an opportunity. He happened to be there. The contractor's not often there. I wanted to make some money. You know, I, you know, I needed some money for a wedding. So there's this sort of sense of just having this being able to spirit things, almost like an alchemy, kind of spirit opportunities from, from nothing, which, which is very much speaks to the kind of negative aspects of Jugar. But these stories then kind of take on their own life and are repeated and then used as inspiration for future efforts, some of them successful, some of them unsuccessful, to kind of make money. I've got a rolling set of stories, so you better interrupt me. Oh, yeah. yeah so, um, Which um, 
James Scott writes about yeah. matrix, which is supposed to be, you know, the, the way the antidote to the centralizing state, basically yeah. that has its own, you know, simplified ideas of what is supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the way that at the grassroots level you have to keep these uh, you know, opportunities for negotiation open to Yeah. 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 Um, but anyway, I don't know if you've thought about the relationship with Jugad to Matis. No, a, I haven't. It's um, really interesting. It's yeah. really interesting, yeah. And, and also whether you see there might be certain conditions that lead to good Jugad versus yeah. bad Jugad. Yeah, 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 really interesting. I also, yeah, I mean, it's that, that, that's fascinating. I must think about that. I mean, the Metis might connect more with what Bijoy Jane was saying. And it's a pity he's not here, you know, the architect of the M Pavilion, because he was talking about the the need to kind of maintain an openness to multiple possibilities in 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 a project. You know, that's like in terms of rethinking the role of the architect. It's not about actually having a grand plan and just then telling everyone this is what you need to do. It's about it's about starting a process and enrolling a set of people who then make decisions and flexibly adapt to what you want in the context of you know whatever it is the weather changing circumstances availability of new materials and it's actually i mean just as you're talking about kind of in what what that means in terms of the empowerment of local people to kind of flexibly adapt programs to meet local conditions so kind of be joy and it's kind of um reflected in his whole kind of persona you know he's really not that kind of tradition i don't know probably architects in the audience but he's not like that architect that stands on high and tells people what to do he's very much more like sort of kind of thinking about craftsmen as sort of colleagues who are working on the same kind of in you know in, in, in a sort of on level playing field trying to create the right outcome and, and i think it, 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 you know this openness is absolutely central there um i'd have to think i mean maybe other people have got ideas about the relationship between that kind of idea of openness and jugar um it also makes me think, Jonathan, since you're here, I'll put you on the spot. Um, Jonathan Balls is, uh, used, was a um, PhD student at uh, University of Oxford where we worked together. And he's been doing a lot of research on off-grid solar energy in North India and using the idea of Jugao as well. Do you want to say something about that, Jonathan? Yeah, well, I was just reading in Oh, do you want, yeah, could, do you want to use this, stand, stand up here for a moment and use the mic? I'm not sure this microphone's actually working. Hello? Yeah, I don't think it or is. Or just turn around so that people can hear you then. I know yeah. this other researcher, Ankit Kumar, was looking specifically at this idea of Metis and Jugad and the relationship oh. in regards to microgrids in India. And a lot of the new companies that are developing these microgrids in rural Uttar Pradesh, they picked up on this idea of Jugad and the idea that they need to do Jugad in order to successfully develop microgrids right, uh, village right. levels. And so they're looking, for example, some of the early microgrids that they put into villages were adapted in various ways by villagers. So, mm -hmm. for example, they might use bamboo poles in order to extend the grid out away from the actual originally designed grid. And those companies have then taken some of those improvisations and taken them into their actual models and replicated them more widely. But in doing so, or his argument, I think he's written a paper about right. it, his argument was that those companies were unable to actually...
But uh, how much is it, is it really, is that is it part of the system? That the system works because you've got this process of jagar and and uh, the, the sense of all the, um, the the bribery and the top the top down in a, in a highly centralised country which is so big like India, so many levels of bureaucracy that the actual the process of uh, this um, this system which seems to work which gets things done you know people take their cut on the way uh, wealth is distributed how much is that is actually part of a system that actually works to achieve the outcomes. I mean, are we looking at it from a Western perspective and just saying, like, all this bribery and uh, corruption is, uh, it's, um, you know, we're, we're putting our value judgments on it, but it actually is a way of getting the money from the top to the bottom and distributing it and actually, I mean, people are creaming off along the way, but, you know, ultimately, the, I'm presuming that the things actually get built to some degree, the schools, the bridges, the roads. That's a, it's a really good question, and, and um, you know, a full answer to that would have to be quite complicated. But um, now, Rajiv Gandhi used to say that of every hundred rupees that was meant for the village, only three rupees actually arrived in the pockets of the poor, because so many people took money along the way, uh, and um, and that was the system. Uh, it did, you know, people got rich. The regional people got really rich. The local people got quite rich. The, the the head of the local government council got a little bit rich through creaming off different amounts of of this money. Some reached the poor, but you know, you look at things like the midday meal scheme to give man, to give like a meal to to children in schools. It's got a bit better recently, but it was always, you know, the the the, the quality of the rice was was awful. There were sort of insects in the rice, and it was because. You know, the, the, there was a lot of money to buy really good quality rice, but just so much money had been embezzled along the way. Um, so that that's been the system for a long time. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think that um, I I don't think it's kind of imposing categories to to call it corruption because lots of people on the ground call it corruption because they've learned about a different kind of model of governance in school and through kind of their mobile phones and through listening to the government and the World Bank and so forth, and they've internalised the idea that. You know, if you go to a government officer and ask for something to be done, it should be done. And I think that's not just because they've kind of been brainwashed by Western liberal democracy. I reckon it's, it's to do with kind of like that tallies with people's local notions of what is fair and right. You know, if you're, if you're disabled and there's a scheme for disabled people to get certain amounts of money each month and you don't get it, that's just wrong. I mean, that's wrong from, and it would have been wrong 500 years ago. The fact that it's sort of a, a norm of liberal government is just an accident of, of the bureaucracy. So people will team up and say, look, this is wrong. You should, you should be addressing this. But I think you know, th there is an element to which corruption in some places has become so kind of much of the sort of taken for granted of everyday life that it becomes normalized. You know, and then you hear people making a distinction between corruption and fraud. So corruption, so fraud is when you pay a bribe and something still doesn't happen. Because corruption is actually about honesty. You know, if you if you know it's 200 rupees to get that done, and you pay 200 rupees, it gets done. That that at least is a certain sort of guarantee. The zero rupees. Oh. Yeah. This is. I mean, that's that's an attempt to try and kind of. Um, get round to guys. This is a scheme started by an NGO called Fifth Pillar to issue zero rupee notes. So that if someone demands a bribe in India, you give them a zero rupee note, which, which has on it, you know, I will not give or accept a bribe. 
and uh, and the idea is to shame the public into, uh, official and to remind the public official that actually the service that he or she is uh, is offering should be delivered free and it's been quite effective or reasonably effective according to fifth pillar um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if people, um, if there's anyone who's, who's, who's been based in South India or done research on South India. I, 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 I mean, the stereotype would be that it would be worse in, worse in North India because the state governments are, have a history of relatively poor governance. There's re relatively high levels of, of scarcity of jobs, of resources, of educational opportunities. And that scarcity is part of the driver of corruption because, you know, you, you take shortcuts and, you, you know, when, when there's a a big gap between your aspirations and local opportunities. So I imagine it's probably not quite as bad in areas of the South, but I think it's pretty general. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm from the South. Yeah, I'm good. The, uh, Do you want the um, Yeah, hi. Uh, I'm from uh, South of India. Uh, I visit, uh, actually I'm from Singapore, but I visit there four or five times a year uh, to Chennai, which is in the South. I've not heard about uh, the zero uh, rupee note. Yeah, um, I'm talking to you about. I mean, you spoke about the uh, government subsidy trickling to the. Uh, the new government has opened has uh, uh, started a culture of uh, opening bank accounts for uh, the poor people. Uh, so as a result, the subsidy goes directly into their bank without going through these various stages. So that's something good which is happening. And about Jugar, uh, I think most of the Indians, uh, the, ta the take is that uh, it is a temporary solution. Uh, it's an immediate solution to a problem, uh, but that cannot be kind of escalated to the entire community or to the entire country. Government has to step in and see what is the advantage that he's getting out of that Jugar and therefore try to help him, like getting uh, uh, electricity. He, he does something uh, mishy-mashy and then uh, uh, finally the whole house blows up. I mean, yeah. So the government gets into all that and tries to see how they can help. Yeah? Thanks. I think so. South uh, historically has been a very uh, stable, uh, there's a lot of stability because there wasn't too much of attacks by uh, foreign forces. I'm talking about historically. Whereas the North India was always attacked from, from the North, mm -hmm. uh, maybe Persia, Iran, uh, Afghanistan, uh, Pakistan. And as a result, they were always kind of moving. Nobody was staying in a pit. I think it's important to think about social difference too though and the comment just to come back to some comments that were made at the beginning about about you know different generations like who who has the knowledge of Juga is it is it old people who used to do things in kind of thrifty ways or is it young people who are kind of finding shortcuts and think about social difference in terms of class as well like you know people like Hema or like the the the, the people that that my friends in North India talk about as the ice cream eating students the students who've got money 
They don't need to jujuga because the parents are going to find them jobs in private sector companies in Delhi. And so Jugar is seen as being sort of more like something of the, of the poor or the lower middle class. So maybe, th you know, that, that would probably complicate the story of North versus South, th 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 thinking about social difference. Yeah. Sure, thank you. Could you please explain your work with the off-grid off, uh, solar that you have done? You've got the microphone now, Jonathan, so... I don't. I, c I can talk to you also a bit about it later. Um, my work was looking at uh, solar power companies in rural Uttar Pradesh and looking at entrepreneurs in local shops selling small-scale solar power products. And part of that, looking at the way in which improvisation and Jugard was very, or you might say improvisation, Jugard, like shrewd innovation was quite important to the kinds of products that were being sold and sh shopkeepers putting together different components or the way they were repairing products or the way they were altering the performance of products in order to provide a customized and very cheap solution to people who couldn't generally afford a more expensive solution and how that was a very different approach from some of the more internationally or government supported shops where you get a standardized solar power solution. And If they're not reliable, you can get a Jugard repair solution to repair it. <laughs> How are we doing for time? Five minutes left. So, other more, we could easily break and, and have so break into informal discussion on Jugard. People have somewhere to go. Um, but I'm quite happy to answer more questions. Have you got a solution for the American <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not. Well, no, it's. Um, we're living in interesting times now, aren't we? Yeah. Um, as Obama said, the sun will rise tomorrow. Anything else? Yeah, sure. Like after studying the Juga, what kind of like application are you thinking about? Like for example, when I was working on green, like I started to work on green entrepreneurship, and we wanted like a bottom-up uh, approach. So this is how I found out about Juga and grassroots innovation. And then I thought that it could be really interesting, like because those people are really like creative, but doesn't always have the resource. I mean, I know it's because of, it's Juga because they don't have the resource. But I was thinking that all the like ID incubator and startup like world we have here, like could be adapt to like those people. I hadn't thought about it before, but what, what you, you, this gentleman said about you know, the, the government seeing Jugar and then using that as a sort of trigger to think about, well, what support do people need? I think it's, that's a really, really insightful and helpful comment, actually. Because, you know, it's like it goes back to the, one of the examples I used at the beginning, like, you know, the car fan belt that's been repaired with a pair of tights. I mean, the, the, the metaphor no longer works because cars are so over-engineered now and they're basically, you know, 99% software. But, but if you think about that example, you know, when you, wouldn't, you wouldn't carry on using your car like that for months and then you drive it pretty quickly to a garage and get it fixed properly by a mechanic. You know, it is, it's a temporary solution. So I think, I think thinking about, um, you know, Jugar as, as both signaling creativity uh, and, you know, a willingness and an energy to act upon the world in inventive and creative ways, but also as a sign of, of desperation, 
and, and, and of a need for more sort of structured support. That's the way to go in terms of thinking about policy. Otherwise, it can, it can just become this kind of way of letting the state off the hook, can't it? You know, let's just let a thousand flowers bloom. You know, like the National Innovation Council in India said, we just need a million jugars in India and everything will be well. And I don't think that's right. Should we draw things to a close? Uh, thanks very much for, for coming and listening. And um, again, thank you very much to the uh, Naomi Milgram Foundation and Robert, as he just arrived, and, um, and Jennifer in particular for organizing the, the, the program and tonight's events. And um, look forward to lots of uh, further discussion and exciting things happening under this roof over the next few months. Thanks.